Hi, my name is Ellie Cody, and this is Manhattan Sideways. We're very excited to be releasing this episode and to give an update on the last year of work at Manhattan Sideways. First, in case this is your introduction to us, I'll share a bit of background about the project. Betsy bober Pallavi is the founder of Manhattan Sideways, which was created with the goal of documenting and supporting the small businesses of Manhattan. Over the course of six years, Betsy walked the original Manhattan grid from 1st to 155th Street and spoke to the owners of small businesses, often bringing photographers along to help capture their stories. Betsy shared these stories on the Manhattan Sideways website, sideways.nyc, and for years has continued to update the site and to keep pace with the constantly evolving landscape of the city. In 2019, Manhattan Sideways launched its podcast, Last year, during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, Betsy decided that it was time to fulfill her longtime intention to write a book to honor and celebrate the small businesses of New York. In today's episode, Betsy is here with me not only to discuss the heartwarming reception of the first book, but also to announce the upcoming publication of a second book titled The Art of Walking Manhattan Sideways, which I couldn't be more excited to get my hands on. At the heart of this volume are the nonprofits and arts organizations of Manhattan, alongside chapters covering places of worship, museums, and, of course, food. You can pre-order the book now at gosideways.nyc, and it will go on sale online and in stores the second week of October, just in time for the holidays. So without further ado, here is Betsy bober Pallavi. So in the last interview that we published, we talked about your first book, Walking Manhattan Sideways. So first, I want to start by asking you about the reception of the first book, Walking Manhattan Sideways, and what the general response has been from business owners and from people who have bought the book. First, thank you, Ellie, for coming to New York and for making this podcast happen and so fun to be with you again. Um, I self-published the first book, Walking Manhattan Sideways, and it came out in November of 2020. And I had no idea what the response would be, and I can honestly use the word overwhelming in a positive sense. It was incredible, and bookstores told me it was a bestseller, and in many places. I was in the window, I was in um, newsletters, and it was just all very, very exciting. What meant the most to me was not only bookstores, but all kinds of businesses, even restaurants, when they were able to open, were excited to have the book, and that it was making money for all these people, and I was so happy. And when a bookstore sells 100 copies of your book, that that's a big deal. So. I will, I'll share one funny story because I was speaking to one of my good friends and I said that another friend had sent me a picture of the book in the window of a bookstore and it was next to Obama's, at the time, brand new book. And I said, isn't that so cool? And she said, Betsy, it's not exciting that your book is next to Obama's. Obama should be excited <laughs> that his book is next to yours. 
okay thank you that's what <laughs> friends are for right so but that just always made me smile um yeah so NBC did a piece with me and in the middle of COVID we were out there walking it was freezing cold and with our masks on but we got to highlight a number of businesses which was so nice at the time and newspapers did articles and and then one day I learned that we were in the New York taxis and that was astonishing and we found out because somebody who worked with my husband years ago was in the taxi and texted him in the middle of the night and said I just saw your wife in the taxi <laughs> and then we just continuously got texts and calls from people you know we hadn't seen in ages and, and dear friends and family members who happened to ride a taxi and there it was and that was like a video it was interview a segment from the NBC interview yes and they chose this to put in the taxis so, so amazing. Yeah, and I honestly got a tremendous number of orders, but the businesses got business from it, and that, that obviously is what means the most to me. I'll say even just from very far away as an admin on the social media accounts, like on Instagram and on Facebook, I would get notifications saying, Manhattan Sideways got a message, and it would be like, hi, we just sold out of books, could you come drop some more off? Oh, and I, those? yeah, I saw those all the time. Um, so that was really nice for me to see and to get the updates from afar of how the book was selling in New York. And, you know, I knew what the reception had been from the people who I gave it to for holidays last year, and they loved it. So I knew that, but it was so nice to sort of be tuned into what was going on here and how excited everybody was. I got such amazing letters. Actually, people took the time and hand wrote me letters as well as lots of emails from people all over not only in the country so the book sold we think on almost every state except Alaska and Hawaii wow. and it sold as far away as Australia New Zealand <laughs> Germany London or England I should say Ireland um, the Netherlands it was just it was incredible oh people gosh. were willing to spend $50 on the shipping yeah to get the book um, I, I did a lot of Zoom talks, and that obviously helped to sell a tremendous number of books. And one woman heard my Zoom talk and purchased the book, and I've been dropping them off everywhere. If, if people live in Manhattan, I deliver them. But I didn't get to meet her. But she wrote me this note that said that she had had a really dear friend who was like an older sister to her for decades, and they'd been separated due to COVID, and she moved from Boston to New York to be near her friend, and then her friend sadly passed away during COVID, and she said the best part about being with her friend was that it was always an adventure when she visited her in New York, and they always went to find the hidden gems. And she said, I don't have her anymore, but now I have your book. It made me cry. A lot of letters like that yeah. and people sent me their books they said they were so taken by mine that they wanted to send and share theirs with me and I, I've gotten cookbooks and travel books oh and, wow oh and poetry I got a poetry book wow yeah. wow that's amazing and the whole time were you running this out of your apartment you were shipping stuff out yes my husband Paul has been incredible and instrumental in making everything happen from the book itself to 
setting up shop. So we, we've had literally thousands of books piled in our apartment in cartons. And every time you know, I empty a carton, I kind of do a little dance, another one, another one, another one. Uh, but yeah, so he figured everything out. Every day they come to our building and they pick up our packages and we have a whole system. He has his responsibilities, I have mine, and we get the job done. And then he bikes all over. He can fit 15 in his backpack, so he'll bike and just drop books off wherever mm -hmm. they're needed. And then we'll walk and drop them off all the time and or drive. And um, we're having fun though, seeing New York from another perspective, I guess. Yeah, that's such a nice way to check in with business owners if they're like, hey, we need some more books. And then you have a good reason to walk over and see how they're doing. And But also to people's homes. Mm -hmm. and, um, a lot of times I meet them and you know they're all excited. You're the author. <laughs> um, one couple, they had gotten married in City Hall and they were on their way back to their home, to their apartment in the taxi and saw the piece on the book and they said that they had to order it, that it was just like, they, it was meant to be that they, because neither was from New York and that this solidified for them that they should be here and they had to have the book. And I didn't know this at the time and I dropped off the book. It ended up that there was no place for me to leave it. There was no doorman. So I just went up and I knocked on their door and they looked at me and they both got so excited and they said, you're the, the author. And I said, yes, I am. Why? And then they told me about the taxi story. So I'm so glad to hear more about the reception of the first book. And I want to ask how you decided to publish a second book and what is different about the second book from the first book? It was always in the back of my mind that I knew there was a second book because there's just so many fantastic places that have survived on the side streets over the decades. But honestly and truly, and I haven't said this to you, but the impetus for writing this book was because of the not-for-profits, that they had such an impact, all of these people and all of these businesses over the six years of my walking and discovering them and meeting the people behind them, that I always wanted to give them a shout out. And, you know, people in that category of whatever the organization is, yes, people probably know about them, but outside of that, nobody knows these places. And most of them are tucked away. They're, they're inside buildings. They're not necessarily a brick and mortar, with the exception of a few that I put in. And I wanted to tell their stories and, and share these amazing people with the world. And then I also always was taken by the arts in all its forms. There are so many special galleries, museums, theater, music venues, music schools, dance studios, dance schools, and these stories should be told and people should yeah. know from the 1960s, some of them. Wow. And the New Amsterdam Music Association up in Harlem has been around for over a hundred years. And there are a lot of places that I just loved putting in, in Harlem, all kinds of places. And when I would speak to them about this place, they, they didn't know it. And I said, well, this just solidifies why I'm doing what I'm doing, because if you live in Harlem, you need to know. And the National Jazz Museum is such a special place. So anyway, I could go on and on. <laughs> um, did I answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Can you, can you describe what the parameters were for what would be in this book? In addition, there are 
huge chapter dedicated to food and restaurants, uh -huh. another chapter dedicated once again to the side street bars where they're just such a neighborhood place that they're so important to our city. Not only about drinking, it's, it's about a gathering place for people. Um, and then just specialty shops and boutiques. And oh, there's one other important chapter talk about how difficult it was to decide. It's called Sacred Spaces, and it's mm -hmm. magnificent places of worship on all the side streets. In Harlem alone, there are over 400 churches, synagogues, etc., mosques, temples. But there's so many, and, and every time when I walked the side streets, I would go in. I loved seeing them all, and they were breathtaking. And I would always say, People come to New York and they go to St. Patrick's, and I love to bring people to see St. Patrick's. But these side street places are truly worth people seeking out. So how do you decide? So the different chapters in this book are all subjects that wouldn't fit. In the, they sort of didn't, didn't fit with the first book, um, except for food and restaurants. And all the shops. And the, yeah. Boutiques, there's a hair yeah. salon in this one, there were barber shops in the other one. I wanted it to be as diverse as I could make it in regard to the regular businesses on the <laughs> side streets. So I can't give shout outs to everybody as much as I would love to. There are 160 something places represented in the book, but I always have to talk about the two women who have become so special in my life as friends as well as business owners and that I admire them so much. Deborah Konigsberger was in our first book and we did a podcast with her. Um, she owns two businesses. One is called Noir et Blanc, which is a magnificent women's boutique where she has beautiful clothing for women. and. You can go in there and want a pair of jeans or you can need to dress up for a beautiful Saturday night event and she can just help you to look as elegant as one could possibly imagine. And I loved that store. But next door to that is Thrifty Hog, which is Hearts of Gold, H-O-G. And when I heard Deborah's story, I, I just couldn't believe it just to hear her tell it when we did the podcast, but then I witnessed her in action over the past year and a half throughout COVID. So Hearts of Gold is an organization that Deborah started 25 years ago to help homeless women living in shelters who had children. And now fast forward 25 years later, she has raised some of these children through her program. And just this week, she actually flew with a mom and her son to Iowa, where he was starting college. And it's all because of Deborah and her organization, which raises money to help these families. But it's through her thrift shop, which as she says, from Gap to Gucci, People donate everything in there, and wow, does she have amazing clothing in there, and all kinds of household items as well. And she says that I, I won't carry it unless I would wear it myself, so everything is really beautifully curated. And during COVID, this woman, when no one was on the streets, she had a shopping cart, and she went into 
any place that was open and bought all of life's necessities, essentials for these women and children, from diapers to tampons to toilet paper and whatever she could get her hands on, food and snacks for the kids and just little things to make them smile. And she delivered these. She dropped them off to all these moms who were stuck indoors and so many of them who had COVID. And she was fearless. So she deserves our love and support. Um, and then the other is Bella Meyer owns Fleur Bella, uh, which is a magnificent, as she calls it, floral studio as opposed to a flower shop. And she is the granddaughter of Marc Chagall, the world-renowned artist who my mother wrote a biography about and had the pleasure of interviewing Bella years ago. So when I discovered Bella's shop on 11th Street, when I was walking, I had to go in and say hello and an instant friendship emerged and we've always had this lovely relationship and both Deborah and Bella have joined me on my Zoom talks and people love hearing them and meeting them. So I hope people will get to meet them personally and get to visit both of these women's boutiques are, are beautiful, beautiful just to see. And there's two page spreads dedicated to both of them in the book. Yeah, and folks can listen to their stories on the podcast. Um, going back, you both can of search. Them. Yep, both of them. Both of them. Mm-hmm. Right. We have both Bella and Deborah. Um, and another podcast guest that we had was from the Alpha Workshops, which is also included in the book. So, um, so we, yeah, we interviewed Ken Wampler. However, he retired, and yeah. he he started Alpha. It was his dream, his his vision, and back in the early 1990s when AIDS was rampant and he wanted to help uh, men and women have a place to go and be able to come up with a a craft and and be able to utilize a talent or learn a talent. And he started this program which has blossomed into something that's world-renowned now. And all these people have learned how to make wallpaper, to do faux finishes, to make furniture, um, and decorators from all over come to them for their magnificent work. Um, they even redid the floor in Gracie Mansion, the mayor's home, which Gracie Mansion is in the book. And I was just so taken and became friendly with Ken as well. And now he has passed the torch and it is still thriving. and definitely something people should check out as well but hidden you know upstairs you wouldn't know about it otherwise yeah and there are a lot of places in this book in particular that would be hard to find if you didn't know that you were going there if you hadn't read about it in the book so it's definitely a great reason to pick up a copy and and uh get to see some things that you might not notice even if you were just walking around even if you walk past it every day you might not notice it yeah and the museums, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to go through them, but there are all these fascinating places on the side streets that you wouldn't know about. Definitely. This is a great resource for finding some of those museums and all kinds of other places, different performance venues. And I'm so excited for everybody who picks up a copy of this book and gets to see all of these different parts of New York. I think I was nervous to make my first book about the not-for-profits and the arts and the places of worship because I, I, I wasn't sure who my audience was and now I feel that my audience runs again from 18 year olds to 
people in their 90s, mm-hmm. seriously, people in their 90s. <laughs> um, so there's something for everyone in this book. You know, and I never, I never expected anyone to sit down and read it cover to cover, although I have learned that people have done that. But this book, you'll just be able to flip through and be excited about whatever and hopefully discover something that you wouldn't have otherwise paid attention to. Yeah, yeah. I love that places of worship and nonprofit and the arts organizations are included partly because those are so important to daily life in New York but are not necessarily super visible to people who don't live here and participate consistently in the life of the city. So I think for people who live here, it's really amazing to see your daily life reflected in a book and to, to sort of see those spaces shared with other people and your work shared with other people. And then for people who don't live here, it's like a window into life in New York, which I think is really special. So I think what I always have heard over the years of my speaking with people about the website and when I would do walking events for people uh, and take them to all these different streets and and businesses and people would always say I live on this street or I walk by this place every day but I've never gone in and now they are motivated to want to go in and I, I hope this book as well will do that and during COVID when the first book came out people were always saying that they were getting this wonderful opportunity to live vicariously because not only if they lived in New York City but anywhere in the country in the world and that's why I think it did so well is people could sit and read these stories and feel like they were in New York and that they were being a part of something even though they couldn't they couldn't go and the, and the beautiful photography that accompanies every story certainly played an important part for people but yeah now we just have to hope that people can come to New York and can actually visit these places so many have said to me that they've put little post-its or earmarked and that they will bring the book with them when they come because they just want to go see all these different businesses that they read about yeah I mean that's what I have done with the website before and you know now that there's a book it's nice to be able to do that with like a sticky and to then literally bring the book with you um And when I was designing the book and deciding what size I wanted it to be, it was always in my head that if somebody wanted to put it in a backpack, that they could. It's not heavy. I remember in the first interview you said this is not a coffee table book. It's not a big object to sit in your living room. It's something that you're meant to hold and carry with you and, you know, put in your backpack. But apparently a lot of people have it on their coffee tables. It's also a beautiful (laughs) coffee table book. It really goes both ways. It's funny. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. Yes, the book weighs one pound 14 ounces (laughs) because we ship it. So we had to weigh it and know. Um, stamps.com <laughs> yes and my first granddaughter was born at one pound 14 ounces and she's ten and a half now and wonderful but I just thought that, that there was something special about that when I saw that weight on the scale come up absolutely yes. another thing that I was excited to ask you is about the process of how you made this book happen in basically a year from when the last book was released. The last one was released before the holidays. Yeah, exactly. So less than a year. And you have managed to produce another equally beautiful and special book. So what what did that look like for you over the last nine months? So the first book, Gabby worked on with me. She was an integral part of 
every single word and every single page and she said she would love to work on the second one she has a full-time job so the idea was that I would do all the interviewing and then she would work with me with all the writing and she did an incredible amount of writing and she's a beautiful writer and every Sunday because we did this for the first book also we because we, we never saw each other we did it all up by phone and every Sunday we would spend two three four hours on the phone together and we would write and and figure it all out I would love to talk more about the dream team that has stuck together. So we spoke about Gabby. We know a good bit about you, but I also know that Christian did the graphic design for the book. So I'd love to maybe give you an opportunity to give Christian a shout out or anybody else who has been important in any parts of the book, including the introduction and reviews. So Christian is Gabby's boyfriend and that's how um, he came to this project initially and he was so fabulous last March till September when we worked on the first book and Gabby and I would spend an hour or two talking about the written part and then he would jump on the call with us and we would all go through photos and it was a definitely a collaborative process and then he would drop everything in where it belonged. I think it was a little easier on him this time because we already had the format done um, and we weren't changing it too much. Uh, so yeah, so that was really fun and I loved being able to give these 20-somethings this wonderful opportunity and to have their names on a book and um, I hope it makes a difference for them in life and they certainly made a big difference for me. Ellie's name is in this book and you were also very helpful when we were all panicked and we had so many interviews <laughs> that I had conducted and Gabby was feeling overloaded because she was working so hard at her own job and you were definitely a wonderful asset to have on board to help us with writing some of these up, listening to the interviews. And Gail Brewer, Manhattan Borough President, wrote the foreword to the book, which meant so much to me. She was one of the very first people to advocate for Manhattan Sideways and has always shown up when I've had events and just put an arm around me and encouraged me and, and was so appreciative of what I was doing for the small businesses. So it meant everything to me that she said, yes, I would like to do this for you. And she wrote a beautiful foreword. My son, Evan, could never do these books either without him. He is a brilliant artist. He has a wonderful eye to catch things and he would look through the books and just tweak things in a way that none of us would have thought of and just his little suggestions made such a huge difference in how the book came out. Specifically, where will people be able to find this book? Can people pre-order online before it comes out? So the link is up. Evan, my son, did that for us. Go sideways, G-O-S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S dot N-Y-C. Um, and then just click on book and you can order the book. Bookstores have already begun ordering, so that's really exciting. Um, and some of the businesses who are in the book, you know, they're excited to have it and sell it in their shops. People can call me and people can email me and I honestly will deliver those books to you, no problem. Okay, and then I also wanted to give you an opportunity to 
talk about anything that you might have in store for Manhattan Sideways going forward. Obviously, you're just coming out of this huge project, so probably the focus will be on on the book for a little while. But if you have anything else going on that you want to share right now. The, the book is going to be used for various gala events, which is very exciting, um, where you purchase a ticket, then you get a copy of the book, a signed copy of the book. I, I've signed all of them. I've signed th literally thousands of books. Every person has gotten a signed copy. And somebody just today emailed me and asked if I would be willing to do some walking events where um, she said about a dozen to 20 people max, which I would go with the dozen, I think right now during COVID, um, and would I take them to visit some of these businesses and meet the owners and hear their stories personally up front and close. So um, yes to that. Um, another publishing company reached out to me, I didn't tell you this, and asked me if I would do a series of books for them. And I could do it on anything I wanted having to do with Manhattan. Wow, so, that's so exciting. Are you thinking about doing that? My deadline for getting this book in was August 9th, and I said I, I needed to have a chance to think about it after that. At this point in the interview, we wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic on the small businesses and the incredible resilience that has been shown by so many over the last year and a half. While neither of Betsy's books has chapters directly about the pandemic, both books were developed with the impacts of the pandemic as a driving force behind all the hard work that Betsy and Gabby have done. Gabby and I made the decision that we didn't want the book to focus on COVID and we wanted it to be upbeat and to be looking forward. But I must make sure that everyone understands that it was the most important part to me. It's how these people were physically because so many of them suffered from COVID. Many actually have passed away during this last year and a half and several from COVID. But it was just so interesting to hear how they were reinventing themselves and how they were pivoting and, and, and all the stresses. None of us realize what these people, not just restaurants, you know, there's always a big focus on the restaurants as there should be, but every one of these businesses, what they had to figure out and the money they had to invest, but the determination to want to stay open. I can use Mizell's because I love her. Camilla is the owner of Mizell's Chocolate, which is on 55th Street. She's across from city center and she always had an audience. There were always people coming into her tiny little shop to buy candy, um, her homemade chocolate chip cookies and licorice from all over the world. But city center closed, all, the whole theater district went, the restaurants closed, and she said that the hotels were taking in homeless people. So she said she just wasn't a street ever that people wanted to walk down, but yet she went every day. She took the bus across town, the subway across town, because she was on the east side, and she opened that store every day and just waited for people to come. And she's actually one of the people who kept saying, bring me more books, bring me more books. She had it in the window and she said it helped people to want to come in. They saw the book. So she was, she was really selling it, which was, I was happy that I was helping her in that regard. But somebody said to me recently that people just need to kind of chill 
and to just take a step back and if they're sitting in a she was a restaurant owner and she said we don't have staff you know we, we, people who've been with her for 20 years were no longer there and she was hiring high school kids she said it was her son's friends who were working in the restaurant with her for her and she was training them and they were doing the best they could so if you had to wait for your glass of water or bread didn't show up on your table, don't get annoyed. Understand we're doing the best we can. And it just kind of brought tears to my eyes it just because people don't stop and think, you know, what, what are the, all of these people going through? But they're not closing. You know, they're, they're filling out all the paperwork. I tried to help so many people at the beginning of COVID with filling out paperwork and putting them in touch with government people, Eric Botcher, he was so wonderful helping these small business owners. But yeah, so everyone needs to understand and support them. Go there, go there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I have been super blown away by the resilience of so many businesses and it's so sad to see the ones that we have lost, but it's amazing to see the ones that have pulled through and are still pulling through and I wasn't in the city for a lot of the pandemic, but coming back now and seeing that a lot of my favorite side street businesses are still there makes me so happy because I was so scared that we were going to lose them and they have been so strong. The coming months is going to make or break a lot of them. So just because they're there now, I need to beg people <laughs> to go to them yeah. and support. Yeah, big holiday season coming up. Shop small, yeah. shop local. Yes, yes. Even if you have to call them and have them ship something, don't, you know, don't just resort to the, the normal easy way online. Yeah. You have to do it. You know, take that extra few minutes, that extra step physically or on your computer to reach out to these people. Yeah. And even the arts, the museums, and, you know, when you can go there, they, they all need your love as well. Definitely. And a lot of places are doing a really good job, I feel, of um, maintaining safety measures and making sure that people do feel safe and comfortable and trying to keep the numbers down. Um, so I, I do. I hope that, <laughs> that they'll make it through the next few months. Um, I believe that they can do it with our help. Yes, with some help. And definitely, you know, the book The book is going to help. The first book helped. This book is coming at a great time as well. And it's probably one of the most important parts about the book. The book was done out of a passion of mine for all these years wanting to help promote and support and show love to the small businesses. And business owners have definitely said to me that this book is helping them more than anything I've done that the book is. People are reading it and then reaching out to them. So that makes me really happy. Thanks so much for listening. This has been a podcast by Manhattan Sideways. Be sure to keep an eye out for upcoming Zoom talks and city walks with Betsy, which will be shared on our social media. You can follow Manhattan Sideways on Facebook and at NY Sideways on Instagram. To order either one of the Manhattan Sideways books, go to gosideways.nyc, G-O-S-I-D-E-W-A-Y-S dot N-Y-C, 
and scroll down until you see the word books, under which you can click order now. If you're in New York, you may even get a visit from the incredible author herself. You can also reach out to Betsy via email at Betsy, B-E-T-S-Y, at sideways.nyc. We hope to hear from you soon.